The game sports show and game entertainment media want to give a quick stick tap to LivingSisu.com. Sisu is a Finnish word for determination, tenacity, and resiliency. LivingSisu.com wants to activate your lifestyle by offering discounts and exclusive offers from your favorite sports brands. Sign up is free at LivingSisu.com where you will earn instant offers that will help you save on sports tools, products, supplements, and so much more. Be sure to check it all out at LivingSisu.com. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, GEM for short, along with the GameSportsShow.com. You're currently listening to the game through one of the many media platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Podbean, or Podtail Podcast platforms, or social media platforms such as Facebook and or Instagram, and as I mentioned off the hop, the GameSportsShow.com, our website. Now getting to our special edition co-host, a true speed demon, also pretty good at golf. He's a decent athlete. He played some hockey in his day. He's uh, put on the skates one or two times. He's played over here in North America. He's played overseas. He's known for his wicked clap bomb from the top of the circle. And he still does that, may I add, in men's league. Trust me, I know. And as I mentioned, he played hockey, a former professional hockey forward, a guy full of piss and vinegar, the one and only Brendan Brooks. Brooksy, how's it going, pal? How's it going? New intro again. I like it. I'm, to these, uh, I'm looking forward to it each time now. <laughs> it's like when you know i gotta keep adding that wicked clap bomb in there though because at the end of the day that's your trademark you know they they should make a commercial with you doing a clap bomb right from the top of the circle and just saying booyah or the game entertainment media some commercial for us we'll have to arrange something down the road now getting to our special edition guest a true warrior a man from owen sound ontario played in the ohl with the oshawa generals and the sioux greyhounds yes Homebound here from Sioux uh, St. Marie, Ontario, the Sioux Greyhounds. Uh, let's a little home shout out to the Hounds. A second round pick, 44th overall by the New Jersey Bulls in 1995. He's a former National Predator, Toronto Maple Leaf, Dallas Star. He played in 89 professional games in the NHL, over 600 professional games if you include the AHL and tours overseas. Former NHL tough guy and hockey player turned professional boxer. And now a firefighter, if I am correct. The one and only Nathan Parrott. Nathan, how's it going, man? Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, very happy you're able to join us. You know, we've um, we've been planning to have this upload, and basically how all this worked out, how you and I got connected, was me just messaging you on Instagram, and I think you can attest to that. <laughs> That's 100% true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally, I, I slipped into Nathan's DMs and he asked him to come on. <laughs> yeah. I thought... Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, social media is such a great platform, right, to get in touch with everyone. When I saw that you had Instagram, uh, I had to make sure that I jumped on board and messaged you because you're certainly a player that I remember, especially taking my host hat off you for a second and being a fan of the game, being a Toronto Maple Leaf fan. I remember you playing with the Leafs, so I had to uh, make sure I sent you a message and shoot my shot, if you will, and I guess I got lucky because you're here right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad. It you know, anytime we can help uh, promote the game of hockey, I'm more than happy to to participate. Yeah, yeah for sure. And you know what? It's you've definitely done a lot for the game, and even outside of the game now with boxing. And as we were talking about off air, that's something that I tried to do and was not as successful at, if you will. Now, I want to get into. I know we mentioned it right off the hop there that you're. Uh, I mentioned that you're a firefighter, you box after hockey. I just wanted you to get into what you're doing now, uh, as well as what you remember about Sault Ste. Marie? <laughs> well, oh, <laughs> what I'm doing now, yeah, I work at a nuclear power station called Bruce Power. It's the 
largest nuclear power station uh, in the world. It's uh, on uh, Lake Huron. It's it's way up in the middle of nowhere. It's a very beautiful spot. It's really close to Owen Sound, where I grew up. And it's uh, I really lucky I I got in there, and it's it's a great career, and I'm very fortunate, and uh, I appreciate it very much. But uh, to be so lucky to get in there, you know, like, you know, you, yeah. when your career starts winding down, and you got to start looking for jobs and 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 thinking about you know, what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Cause you know, when you're playing, you think, you know, I'm going to play forever kind of thing. And, and then all of a sudden it's like a light switch all of a sudden, well, you got to start a new career and you're like, Oh, oh my God, what am I going to do now? And um, I was able to uh, step into that very quickly after my hockey career was over. And I, I've been there for 10 years now and it's, it's been great. And I, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate. I started in security there, though. So I, my first five years at Bruce Power, it was they have a armed uh, security. It's mostly military, like ex-military guys, ex-police or ex-correctional people. And I was able to to get in at the time. Just they were looking for people with uh, team-oriented, you know, kind of background. So. I was able to pass all the tests and, and get in and, and on. I always wanted to be a firefighter. So when the company had uh, posted a job internally for firefighting, I, I made the transition to firefighting and it's, it, I, I enjoy that a little bit better. It's, you know, you don't have to carry, you don't have to wear a, a vest. Well, because the security guys get to wear those vests all the time. It's, kind of wears on your back, especially from playing hockey all the time, your back's <laughs> sore, but yeah. So, but you know, I'm not much of a gun guy, but man, those guys are, they're, they're scary. They're pretty switched on guys there. So I would not want to be someone trying to, to attack that place. Cause there's some no. scary individuals there. <laughs> I can attest cause I was scared of most of them and I was working with them, but no, I'm just joking. But yeah, they're, they're you're a tough cookie yourself so do you say that they're definitely some scary folk <laughs> yeah but no it's all you know i mean they're all good guys and you know it's it's great guys there it was it was funny the transition going from security to fire because it's very similar jobs but very different and you know i don't know i i'm just glad i got in there and that's it's funny because my mom worked there when when i was young and and stuff so it was it was you know Getting in there, I know like I have a lot of family that worked there and uh, friends from when I was young and stuff, and people I grew up with. So, you know, it's a probably the largest employer in the the local community, and they're very good for you know helping out with community and stuff. It's a great company, and you know I I know uh, Doug Ford had spoke about them donating all the PPE when when COVID had first come out to try and help with uh, you know the the uh, flattening the curve and all that but um you know when i i was talking about you asked me about when i played in the Sioux. this like so i was in oshawa for a couple of years before that and then i i went up to the the greyhounds i got traded there to and it, that was it was back then they only had uh you could have three overagers on your team but you can only could play two now the rule is uh you're gonna play three right so we had we had uh, in Oshawa, we had three overagers. So I was only playing two thirds of the game. And with, I was drafted second round in New Jersey, but because of my late, um, 
birthday, I was a free agent at the end of my overage year. So I went back for an overage year to try and become a free agent and make, get a larger signing bonus or whatever. So, you know, your agents tell you to do these things. And, you know, my I had probably had one of the best agents in, in sports at the time, but, and he did, he got me a, a lot, lot bigger signing bonus than what New Jersey was offering, which, you know, it was, it was great at the time, but looking back, I, I maybe I should have stuck with New Jersey because the team that drafts is probably a little bit more committed to, to develop you. And, and then when um, I signed with Chicago and Bob Murray ended up getting fired after my first year. Now he's in Anaheim now, but uh, they didn't have the commitment to develop me the way New Jersey like well back then they were they were great at developing players like uh in the late 90s and early 2000s you look throughout the NHL there was probably a guy on every team that was drafted by New Jersey and spent some time in their organization because they were just excellent at doing it I remember uh, David Conte he was he was their um player development guy and he was awesome and their scouts and coaches they were always really good at it but you know, Chicago was awesome, though. Honestly, I met some great friends there. And but being back back in the Sioux, so I, I get traded up there at the beginning of my overage year. And you know, you go play with Joe Thornton, who's I mean, you guys, you know, who's that? Gonna be in, <laughs> yeah, who's that? Who's that? When's he, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer for sure, right? I'm surprised <laughs> he's not in there yet. Just <laughs> he's still pretty good, right? Nope. Like he was awesome. But, I remember playing with him and the guy was like, he was unbelievable. Like I couldn't, he would do things. You're just like, how, how do you do that? Like it was, it was insane how, how skilled he was and how, but he, he so physically strong, but with the skill with it and the height, I don't know. It's pretty impressive to see, you know, probably one of the best players I've ever played with. And I played with some great players, but he's definitely up there in the, you know, top three, the guys, you know, in any given night, he could have been number one, but, you know, it was it was a really great experience, and we had a we had a really good team. It was funny though because Oshawa ended up winning the championship that year, so it was it was pretty <laughs> I was pretty upset about that. But How do you feel about like, that? You, know, you get done yeah. or you or you move on your overage year, and your team that you played with for you know your your junior career ends up and goes out and winning. You know, it's, it must be like okay, what the fuck. <laughs> Well, it's mixed feelings, right? Because, you know, all your buddies are on the team and you're happy for all of them. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, exactly. Like, fuck you. I want to, you know, I want to win that, you know. But <laughs> Where's my you know, ring? I was not, part of that development. Where's my ring? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. You know what, though? Uh, we lost and it was it was our absolute bullshit. The reason we lost that series. We were playing in the Sioux. I think we were up two games. And uh, uh, Brian Wiesenberg was the guy's name. He, I think I don't know if he was a captain of Guelph, but good player, great player. Like he was really good in junior. And uh, we were up by a goal, going late in the third period. You know, gonna go up three goal, three games to none. And then, uh, or no, it was actually no, we were up one game because it was the first two games. So it was the second game. Sorry. So we're up one game, and we were gonna win the second game. And he grabs the puck out of the air and throws it in the net with his hand, which, you know, means obviously not a goal. But earlier in the game, one of the linesmen had been injured and had to leave the game. So they only had one linesman. And the linesman that was still in the game 
at the time he did this, there was a broken stick right in front of him at the blue line. He bent over and grabbed it and didn't see it. And the referee was on the opposite side of the net because back then they only had one referee and he didn't see it either. And I remember going home that night and you could see clearly from the TV footage that he grabbed it with his hand and threw it in the net. And, you know, we go to overtime and like 20 seconds into the overtime period, Brian Wiesenberg again scores like one of the nicest goals I ever seen. It was awesome, but he scores a really sweet goal in overtime and put like, Chile changes the whole momentum of the series and they end up beating us. I think in, I think it was six or five games, but if we would have won that game, we would have walked right through them, I think. But, you know, say la vie, you know, you know, water That's where you want the video replay to come back into play. No video, no nothing then. So uh, that's where I think the game has changed where, you know, that would have been disallowed most likely. Yeah. So, well, a hundred percent it would have been. And, and you it know, changes everything. Yeah, yeah. You know what's like, look at the like the players you mentioned when you guys that I met the old time game to be told. I'm not saying it's old time. Like the I just make it sound like the 90s and thousands were sold long ago, but and they really aren't comparison to other years. But you know, like even with the Hounds, you know, and I'm really gonna butcher some names here, but Richard uh, you uh, Unanke, I believe was his name that you played with there. Yeah. Uh, Joe Sorosky. He was my guys. Yeah, he, there's a guy that got over 100 points, right, in junior hockey. And then, obviously, Richard Jackman, who is well known here in town. Right? There's, a, there's a guy right there that, you know, who has success in junior, goes over to try to get into the professional hockey. And I bet you nobody else really remembers hearing that name other than people that here in Sault Ste. Marie. Um, and overall, like, the, the time in that, in that league in the OHL in the late 90s, there's a lot of talent. And that includes yourself – Obviously, we said Joel Thornton. You played with Mark Savard, who uh, actually his son plays or is a, is a product of the Sioux Thunderbirds and is the NLJHL Junior Tier 2 Junior League. Uh, so it's funny how everything all ties together. Uh, but overall, the talent in the OHL was there, okay, like if for years. And there's some players that didn't work out that they thought they did. Like Joel Thornton, 122 points in 59 games uh, in the year that you were there. Like that, 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 that standard for a guy who had that kind of reputation expectation like Joel Thornton did. You know, someone like yourself who put up pims and also put the pucks in the net and also made plays happen. You know, it's, it's like Brooksy just said, it's a different game than it is now than it was then overall. And you got to admit, the OHL was an all-around higher-scoring league, I'd say, back then. Maybe a bit more. I know some people might disagree with that, but if you look at points, it seems like more individual success. But also the game was so much tougher then. Yeah, like, you know, my, my son, he plays for Owen Sound. He started off in London and got traded to Owen Sound uh, halfway through his second year. But, you know, so I do watch a lot of OHL games still. And the skill level, like, in hockey, especially in junior, it's it's – skilled but the defensive skills there too so it kind of the goaltending you know i mean all of it around has evolved right so it keeps evolving so as much as you know you want to say it was higher scoring lower scoring like the skill level is still going up but the one thing that is definite it's not nearly as much fighting obviously because of the rules and that toughness factor where you know i mean i I, you know, I hate to talk bad about my, my favorite team, but the Leafs, you know, I mean, they're a great perimeter team, but, you know, I mean, if you don't go to hard areas, it's tough to win games and score goals, like, you know, especially in playoffs, like, 
you know, it's, you know, I mean, they're one of the best skilled teams in the NHL, but, you know, I mean, you got to be able to pay a price. And it seems like that is not as prevalent in the game as, as it used to be. You know, I mean, maybe it's just because I, I like to fight. <laughs> Obviously, I went to boxing <laughs> after I was done. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it just doesn't happen as much. And, you know, I mean, some of the guys that are out there now that fight, you know, like, the you know, the the Reeves and Wilsons of the league. And there's, there's a bunch of others. I'm not doing, they're, they're really tough guys, but they, you know, I mean, they can play too, but back when I was like, I remember when I first started my pro career, there was guys that were there that were not very good hockey players, but they were tough. Like you were like going into a game thinking, okay, if I fight this guy, I gotta be on tonight because it might be my last game, you know? And I don't, I don't know if guys have that fear anymore in, in, you know, it just kind of like it, the way the momentum changes in the game because of that fear back then. And, and now the lack of that, you know, it, the momentum changes now because of, of great goals where uh, back then a big fight could change the momentum, but I shouldn't say it too much. I saw Spezza fight the other, you know, well, I guess that was a month ago now, but he changed momentum of the game with a good fight. So it still happens, but just not as, just not as prevalent, I guess. But No, I'd see. And then Brooksy, like there's guys, and I think you'll agree with this, Brooksy, because you played with some tough guys. We've had some beauties on the show, like Trevor Gillies and guys like that on the show that are, you know, guys that are just absolute mutants right and you guys you have the example of i think if you got a guy and god bless him uh, wade belak was a tough cookie that i know you're familiar with with playing in toronto with and you got uh, donald Bashir, marty mcsorley those guys and this is no offense to ryan reeves because i know if you ever heard me say something if you came to my door i'd literally run the other way scared like you wouldn't believe but i think the tough guys that are in the game today wouldn't be the toughest guys in the game that what it was like to yourself, to the Brashears, to the Bielaks, to the uh, Bougards. I'm forgetting a lot of names. I imagine there's probably people yelling at the, at the speakers right now saying names that I could recall, but just you can't catch my drift where it's not the same. And you bring up a great example about today's game and the Leafs were a great example. It's soft hockey is kind of what it is. I, I, I tell you, I agree with you more that being a Leaf fan, you know, it's like almost being a sucker for pain, but there's a lot of, it's not as there's that was a team that was just known to be a hard hard nosed team trial. Look at the Wendell Clarks. Look at the late thousands with Frazier McLaren and all these guys being there that were just big nosed tough guys. But now it's completely changed and it's just so it's so strange to see how it is different. If you look back at even the early thousands to now and it's not even that far apart in years, but how the game has certainly evolved. But some players that are league now you have to admit probably that our tough guys wouldn't be tough guys in the early thousands late 90s oh yeah i 100 percent agree with that you know like you know i mean and i i i love tom wilson i think he's a great player but you know he's pretty feared right now back back when i played i don't think he would be that scary you know like i i, I know he wouldn't like he'd just be another guy right and he's a great player he's very effective in his role and you know but you know, would he be as effective back then? Maybe, maybe he would, but it's, you know, I mean, the generational stuff, it's hard to compare, right? It, it really is, you know, I, I like to pretend I was in the toughest era ever, but <laughs> maybe I wasn't, maybe, you know. But. No, I think you are. You definitely were. 
I would say that just honestly, and like, I love how you say the generational thing. That's why you can't compare Gretzky to McDavid. You you can't compare Gretzky to Crosby. Two two complete different generations, but they're generational talent players. There just as the time goes on, things change, right? And, and we, you know what? Obviously, with you, that everything that happened in the OHL it sucks that you didn't end up winning a championship but you jumped to play in the professional realm right and uh brooks i don't mean to steal your thunder here because that's something you were going to bring up but uh you get started in the ihl right and then you go to the east coast uh jacksonville lizard king sick name by the way uh and then back to annapolis then to cleveland before the call the ahl where you know you played with nhlers like mark bell nolan baumgartner kyle calder and everything which was with the nashville organization that's norfolk but how did the whole pro- uh, process go to join nashville you know what, like you, you, you were drafted by Jersey. Obviously, there was some movement around the IHL East Coast and everything. And then you end up in Norfolk, right? And that was where your NHL career got started because your first NHL game, if I recall correctly, was within Nashville. Well, so Norfolk was actually with Chicago then. And I ended up getting traded from the Admirals to the Admirals. So I went from the Norfolk Admirals to the Milwaukee Admirals. And uh, back then, Milwaukee was Nashville's farm team and Norfolk was Chicago's, right? They, they changed every year back then. Like I went, Chicago's farm teams, when I was originally signed with Chicago as a free agent and then started in Indy. And when I got sent down to Jacksonville, I remember I was going to quit because I was like, the what? Kings? Lizard Kings, what is going on? Like, am I going to a Doors concert? Or, or what, what, what's happening here? Like, anyway, but uh, Bruce Cassidy, it was his first year coaching, and he was coaching the Lizard Kings that year. And honestly, he was probably – now, I've had a lot of great coaches over the year, but he was pretty awesome coach. Like, he was he was a hard ass, but he was a great coach. Like he was he was fair, but he he didn't he wasn't a guy to not pull his punches. He was but anyway, so I get uh, I go down to Norfolk, get traded to Milwaukee, and I remember it. So uh, Dave Allison, I don't know if you remember who Dave Allison is, but he he coached Ottawa when they had that worst record. They lost like twenty five games in a row. And and Dave bless his heart, he was like one of the nicest men I ever met. But I really didn't appreciate his coaching style, to, to say it nicely. So, and he hated me. He absolutely hated me because I was, just, I don't know, I was a bit of a train wreck back then. But he didn't, he didn't like me too much. So he hardly played me, right? And I would go out and do my job, fight, you know, in Milwaukee. And we had, like, oh, Steve Dubinsky was on the team. I'm trying to think of all the guys. We had some good players there. They won the championship the year after I left. And it was the American League, or maybe it was two years after that. But it was the same guys. I'm trying to remember all the names. But anyway, so Claude, Claude Noel, who, who coached in uh, Winnipeg, he was the assistant. And I, I heard him when I'm sitting on the bench and I'm like, you know what I mean? I'd, I'd sit most of the game. So I, I heard Claude say to, to Dave, he's like, give this kid a chance. I'll play him a bit. Like, let, let's, let's see what he can do. I heard him say that to him. And then all of a sudden I start getting a regular shift. And this is in January, right? So all of a sudden in January, I get six goals. And I think I had 10 fights. Like I was beating up everyone back then. Like, honestly, it was like, I, I don't know what happened. I just got like, you get like 20, I think it was 25 at the time, maybe 26 or 20, it was like 25, something like that, 24, 25. And I just, all of a sudden I got stronger. I got this like man strength and I just started destroying guys and I was beating up guys like 
I remember like uh, a guy named Trent Call who was, had a really good uh, junior career, and um, he played in Owen Sound, and I knew him because when I grew up watching him in Owen Sound, and I fought him a bunch of times before, and he'd beat me up or I'd beat him. It was always really close fights, and that year I, I just grabbed him and absolutely dummied him. I was like, it was like I. What happened, right? I couldn't, I don't know, my skills got better or whatever. But anyway, so I had a bunch of fights, and I get Stu Grimson in Nashville got his career ended by George the Rock, so I got called up to to replace him. And I went up there, and I fought him. The first game, I fought Jody Shelley. Second game, I fought uh, Peter Worrell. And then it was the Olympic break, and so I got sent down. And I, I was like, for you know go back to american league during the two-week uh olympic break and i think uh did, who won the gold medal that year was it canada yeah and utah it was pretty good that was a great olympics that one it was canada and the u.s in the finals it was uh i remember watching that in my parents basement and absolutely i think i broke a glass because i was a glass of milk my joe was a pretty i was only 11 at the time so i was like <laughs> <laughs> sure that it wasn't a pair at my age 11 but nonetheless i remember that that tournament the olympics was absolutely unbelievable right and like just unbelievable and you got richter guys sakic eisman i'm forgetting names lemieux was there i yeah. forget names on top of my head with the united yeah. states now. yeah yeah endless couple big goals i remember that yeah. but uh, uh the backup goalie uh dunham he was in nashville right for us yeah. anyway so earlier that year in nashville uh a friend of mine mark morrow who is a absolute beast he was tough as nails he actually beat me up pretty good in junior one time i didn't lose many fights in junior but one of the men like one of two fights i lost in junior was to him anyway so he uh he was up in nashville earlier in the year and he got sent down and for a two-week conditioning stint and he was like i was like and he wasn't fighting i'm like mark I go, what are you doing man i go you gotta fight and he's like no no they, they sent me down to work on my skills I was like, well, I go fighting is a skill, buddy. Like you gotta, it's something you gotta work on, right? Like anyway, no, you don't so, with that talent. You gotta get good with fighting. Yeah, well, he he was good at it, but you know, I mean, I was just like, anyway. So and Mark, he, he's probably made more money than the time we started this conversation than I'll make in this whole year, right? He's really successful guy, really smart, like great guy too. He's honestly one of the nicest guys ever played with. But I, I remember he didn't, after the two weeks, he didn't get, they just waved him and no one picked him up and uh, he spent the rest of the year in Milwaukee. So I was like, when I got sent down my two week conditioning stand, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to fight. So I remember, I, I think we had like, five games in the two weeks or something like that. And I, I think I fought four of those games. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm not like, you know, I'm just, <laughs> if, whether it works or doesn't, I don't know. I'm going to try something different. Right. Like, you know, try the same thing, you know, think expecting different results. It's, you know, insanity. Right. So anyway, after, after the two weeks, you know, I got called back up and I just kept fighting, which was, it was, you know, <laughs> it was pretty funny. So, I think I think after my thirteenth uh, game, I had like like eight or nine fights, right? And we're in, we're in Colorado, and we just traded away Cliff Ronning, and we uh, we they, basically Nashville had sold the farm. They're just retooling for next year. They given up making the playoffs, right? Like you could tell, right? So we're playing in Colorado, 
and we're down like I think it was three or four nothing, maybe three or four one, something like that. I'm sitting in the corner, right? And Barry Trotz comes in and, and he's looking around the corner and I'm sitting there, you know, I got my head down, like I was, we're getting spanked and I'm like trying not to be seen, you know, I'm the new guy. And he looks at me, he goes, hey, fucking parrot, you think you're here to score fucking goals or something? And I was like, <laughs> well, I'm like, I got like nine fights and 13 games. What do you mean I think I'm here to score goals? I, I don't know. What else do I got to do? I didn't know, obviously didn't say that, but. And he goes, and, and then I think he felt bad because he went around the room and every single player that was dressed, he just ripped every single guy. But I just happened to be the first guy. Maybe it was because I was in the corner, but I'm like, okay. So I obviously got to go out and fight. So Scott Parker, who was Colorado's tough guy at the time. And I don't know if you know who Scott Parker is, but he is an absolute monster of human being. Six foot five jacked right like and he was drafted in new jersey and so was i so i knew him from camp in jersey so we're lining up actually he they, that movie i'm in that movie with him fighting him there he's talking about it uh the hockey gladiators on netflix so he's very like good, he, very good series i actually watched that i can't believe i forgot about that yeah that's that's you gotta anyone who hasn't listened to that or sorry listen to that watch that on netflix check that out it's fantastic Fantastic. Sorry, yeah, keep going. <laughs> no, no, no. Really good movie and great. So Scott's on there talking about it, eh? He's like, you know, you know, sometimes you gotta like do favors for guys or what, you know what I mean? Like just making it sound like, you know, like because I said to him, I, I give him a tap on the shin pads. I'm like, hey, we gotta go. And he's like, he goes to me, oh, I don't feel like it tonight. And I'm like, I go, Scott, come on, do me a favor. I go, they're gonna send me down. And I, that's exactly how you feel. Pretty much every day in my NHL career, I felt like I was going to get sent down, right? But I said, they're going to send me down. Come on, do me a favor. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, no, no, I don't feel like – no, it's what he said. He said, I don't feel like fighting. And I'm like – I said, don't make me run Patrick Waugh. And he left that part out. I said, you know, because I said to him, I said, don't make me run Patrick Waugh. And then he said, okay. So in the movie, he leaves that out. He didn't. He didn't mention that I said to him I was going to run Patrick Wall, and I, I obviously, you know, I probably would have because I was dumb enough back then. I, I would have, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much smarter now, by the way. I just can't skate fast enough to do it. But <laughs> no, it, 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 the funny thing that you bring up, Barry Trotz, dude. I know Brooksy's going to bring you uh, bring a question for it. Do you actually put in the puck in the net? But you, you know, Barry Trotz is. The best coach in the National Hockey League today. I don't. I don't know. Uh, like, if anyone dis- disagrees, that's totally fine. What, what he's doing on the island right now is is absolutely insane. Okay, without Tavares being there and what he's able to do, he got a good player. It's someone named Matthew Barzell. If anyone hasn't heard of that name, give him a Google. <laughs> uh, but if you haven't heard of his name, you're living under a rock. But at, at the end of the day, Barry Trotz is a legend in Nashville, right? And like you said, he came in the locker room, gave you shit. You know what? That still must have been a mind to learn from. That is fantastic. I know when he when he started off in Nashville, it was more of his beginning NHL days, if you will. But you know, and I know you get better with experience. That's what everybody says. But overall, that is a, a brilliant hockey mind. Oh yeah, no, Barry was awesome. Honestly, he was a great coach, great guy, and he, you know, I had some issues in my life, and he really helped me. Uh, grow as a human being like you know i mean help me be a better player too but you know i mean i grew more as a human being from him than than as a player so you know i mean that's if you really want to get into coaching 
and that should be your goal. Help help your players be better human beings, and and they'll they'll automatically be better players in in, in the long term. But you know, he was he was a great he's a great man, and I'm so glad he's having so much success with his career because he's you know such a great person. But yeah, he's great tactically and and skills, motivation. He's he's got it all there yeah, for sure. And that probably made you want to play harder for him because he was there for you. You know, like when you get person, I think as a coach and you're really there for your players, you really want to play for them. If they say, go put your head through that fucking board, you're going to go do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Give me a little Vaseline to help get it out after though, please. Yeah. (laughs) Head stuck. (laughs) (laughs) You know it's 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 like with something too with nashville then i'd be kind of bad to make sure that i brought this up because we were talking about the sioux a little earlier obviously you you know jeremy stevenson there's another guy that is has ties here in the sioux obviously as well and you play with some guys that are you know that have the sioux ties you have the you have the, the Joel Thornton, you have Jeremy Stevenson, you have Richard Jackman, you know, and even when you were in Toronto, you on Francis, right? And overall, it's it's Nashville. Oh, uh, I played play with Simon in uh, in Russia too. Yeah, I got I got lots of suit ties. Yeah. yeah, you have the, the within Nashville and just overall in the NHL, that was a good start for your career once when you really, you know, jump into it because you had Barry Trotz. That that was a team that was just fresh too in the organization or in the NHL, right? Like that's when it just started basically. Uh, but Nashville is is a great city to play for, especially now the hockey market are big time. Yeah, you know, back then, like so Nashville came into the league in 97, but like they were – the like to play there it's it's hard to explain because and not not really i was hard to explain but the fans were so engaged like they loved the game but they had no idea what was going on so a guy like me that would run around and hit guys and fight like they loved me because like i was just you know i mean i get on the ice i i was either going to try and fight you or hit you right like that's you know what i mean like there's <laughs> You know, was, is there a puck out there? I don't really care. I'm just going to go hit somebody, right? So, yep. the, and fans love that, like the, the action of it, right? You know, I mean, they love the big goals and the nice plays too, but it was just like, I, I, they were so new to hockey back then that it wasn't like, you know, I mean, when you're in Toronto playing, the it's the, the, the fans are a lot more, like back then maybe, I don't know how to say more educated, but they – played hockey they grew up with hockey right back then you know now that nashville's had a team for a long time they've they have a youth program and it does really well so you know i mean the fans understand the game a lot better now where we're back then it was it was so f- fresh or i don't even know how to explain it so it was it, it i don't know when i went from nashville i went to toronto and you know, I mean, and when you're in the locker room after practice, there's there's one beat writer, maybe two, in the locker room coming around talking to guys. When you're in Toronto, there's 30 guys every day. You know, if something happens, there's 60 to 90 to 100 reporters, and they can't even get. Like I remember punching reporters 
in Toronto to get out of my way. Like I would throw them physically to get like, and I would say, get the fuck out of my way. You know? And because I'm like, they're looking at me. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm trying to get in my locker room. Like, get out of my way, you dickhead. You know? Were, anyway. Walking around <laughs> with the towel after the shower time with the boys there. And you just got to get the media in there. 30 of them. I can't imagine, you know, the insanity in Toronto. And, and in 98, in the expansion, where there was Nashville, Columbus, Minnesota, and Atlanta were four teams remember correctly and you know all three of those four markets are actually very big devoted fan bases but obviously atlanta has turned into winnipeg which has been a great decision for the national hockey league and just canada overall but just smashville you know like that that time when they had their playoff run um in the mid 10s there it's it's been there's a there's a there's a GM and David Poyle that is just trying to get a cup for Nashville, right? He's one of the most bought in GMs and it's just been great to see that, that, uh, that organization grow. And I certainly miss those old jerseys with the silver, silver, uh, the silver shoulders. I think you had that when you started there, right? The silver shoulders, I think on the jerseys. Yeah, they're, yeah, they, they had some good jerseys, but I say Columbus coming into the league. So, before I was just, I'm going to go off on a little little side story here. So when I was when I was with Chicago, my last training camp with the Hawks, we were playing in Columbus, and this was before they had a team. So we're playing at Ohio State's University uh, uh, rink, and it's it's is every bit as good as any NHL rink I've ever been to. It's unbelievable, actually. And um, we were playing in Washington when I was with the Hawks, right? So. And I'm I'm tie, I'm going to tie this all back in. So we go out there and we have Bob Probert, uh, Dave oh. Manson, um, Ty Jones. Who else was it? Rob Brown, uh, Reed Simpson. Uh, who else was there? There was um, was it uh, was Aaron Downey there? Maybe Aaron Downey was there. Like we had we had a, eight legitimate heavyweights dressed that game. Like it was it was insane. And they had they had Trevor Halverson, and I, I'm pretty sure being from the city, you probably know who Trevor Halverson is, right? I don't know if you remember. He was with Washington back then, great player. I think he's a police officer now in uh, in the Sioux. And Trevor, great guy. So he fought Cam Jansen that night, and he he actually I thought he won that fight against not Cam Jansen, sorry, uh, Mark Jansen. So he fought Mark Jansen, and. He actually, I thought he won that fight. Mark's crazy tough guy, and he beat him. And then I fought him, and I thought I won the fight. And then he fought, um, he fought Remy Royer, and they had, they one punched each other, and that was the last game he ever played. But anyway, so after the game, um, uh, was it George McPhee was the GM of Washington back then. He comes down to the locker room mad because like why would you dress all these tough guys and we had we had one guy and uh, I remember Dave Manson got kicked out of the game earlier for cross checking someone in the face <laughs> go figure eh? anyway so so yeah so so George McPhee comes down and just sucker punches Lorne Mulligan and just drops him right and. and <laughs> And Charlie's there, so Charlie grabs George, and George is a tough man, right? Grabs him down, throws him down on the ground, and start. And he had cowboy boots on, starts booting him, 
just starts booing them. I was like, oh my god, what's going on? And three, it's like four guys jump on Probert because Probert's getting up, eh? No one wants to see Proby go nuts. So everyone's no. jumping on Proby, holding them down in the locker room. And it was just like, it was just mayhem, right? And then uh, next day at practice, so they, they're doing, uh, they're doing a, a, a what do you a press like a, what do you a, what do you call that? Press Press conference, yeah, sorry, I lost my... Yeah, you're... <laughs> yeah, so they're having a press conference, and Lauren's got a black eye, right? And he's like, they asked him, oh, where'd you get the black eye? He's like, oh, I took a puck in practice yesterday, <laughs> 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 just keeping it all under wraps. I'm sure it's coming out since, but it was pretty funny, you know. Back then, you know, it was just like, you know, live and die by the sword kind of type of guys, you know. you got to love them. I about the cowboy boots that's the funniest part of that <laughs> just doing it in cowboy boots <laughs> it sounds like a Sault Ste. Marie country concert what's that uh, place they used to do the uh, on Sunday nights they'd have the what's that called when you sing the song oh the karaoke karaoke, karaoke? Yeah. <laughs> yeah karaoke bars that's oh a we got a lot of those here in the zoo oh they got the no Rosie, oh my God, the Rosie! I think that place bur- didn't it burn down, Brooksy, if I remember correctly. Is, uh, did it burn down or close? You're gonna ask the guy not from the Sioux originally, aren't you? <laughs> of course you're gonna ask the guy that's not from here. <laughs> I think, I think I it finally burned get down. a chance you know, I thought to speak, and uh, you asked me a question <laughs> I have no clue about. <laughs> Honestly, the karaoke nowadays it's just all over the map people's karaoke now is on facebook live and instagram live actually that's where people's karaoke comes in now from sue st marie but you know what brooks you 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 spoke out there you know and finally you know it's I'll, I'll i'll let you have some talking time here you know what i mean uh, no it's all good it's all good no i'm enjoying i'm enjoying listening i'm a fan right now just listen to all the stories <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I, I want to backtrack you a little bit here. Um, I, I really want to talk about your first NHL goal and, you know, that oh, feeling yeah. of finally having that happen. And, uh, you know, what's going through your mind after it? Because it's such a big thing. It's a, you know, it starts as a young kid and then all of a sudden you get this goal that, you know, you dream about as a kid. So it's, it's, a, it's a funny story. I'll tell, I'll tell a story. So, my first game, I'm planning in Columbus. I get called up. We're coming to Columbus the night before. Team isn't even there because they're playing somewhere else. I think they're at home. They they fly in. My roommate gets there. I'm already asleep anyway. So go to the arena. I come in. Uh, first, you know, I get dressed. You know, I'm all excited. I get on. Five seconds. No, I step on the ice. I'm on a clear-cut breakaway from the blue line in on uh, Mark Denis. And I'm like, okay, I'm going top glove. And I mean, I would have missed the soccer net. I shot it so hard, man. The the stick had had finger imprints. I was squeezing it so hard, and I, I'm surprised I didn't break the glass. But it it, <laughs> it was such a bad shot on a breakaway. I was embarrassed. <laughs> so anyway, next shift I fight Jody Shelley because I was so mad. I ended up beating, it was the only fight he lost that year. Buddy of mine, uh, Brad Harkins, was on the team. He's like Nathan. That's the only fight Jody. The only fight Jody lost this year. He beat up George oh. the Rock and everybody. Anyway, so yeah. So it took me a while after after it was after the uh, yelling from Trotsy. Anyway, so when we played Colorado, so we're playing Calgary. You know, I'm like my 17th game or 18th game now in the NHL. And we're, we're um, uh, 
Jerome McGinley was on a tear that year. I think he scored 52 goals that year, something like that. Maurice Richard there. I think he split it with uh, Nash and I want to say Kovalchuk. Uh, do I want to say Kovalchuk? I feel like they, they split it off to confirm that, but like, I he was on a tear that year. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so our whole game plan was not to let Jerome McGinley score, right? And we're like, okay. So Jerome McGinley, we're not going to let him score. That's our whole game plan going. And he scored two that night. And we, we ended up winning the game 5-3. And I scored the third goal. I was coming down. I remember it was a breakout. Puck came up to the left winger, Reed Simpson. He chipped it off the boards. I got it. I'm coming down one-on-one on the defenseman. And I kind of give it a little, like I bring it out wide. I kind of pull it in. Like not a toe drag because I can't do that, but just kind of pull it in. And as I'm pulling it in, I give it a snapshot. And I'm like inside the top of the circle. And it goes five hole through the defenseman and the goalie, right? And Roman Turek was the goalie, and he was on fire that year, by the way. So <laughs> it was a great shot. Not a, big, it's not a big deal that you sniped on that. Not a bad, not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a good goal, right? Like, I was like, I'm like, you know, my first NHL goal. Like, I'm like, I'm pretty happy. Just eliminated Calgary from the playoffs. That like that loss officially eliminated him from playoffs, which I hate doing to a Canadian team, but you know what I mean? I'm getting paid to play, so I'm gonna score goals when I can, right? But <laughs> anyway, so so I'm reading the media the next day from Calgary and what they say, the worst goal Roman Turek let in all season. I was like, it wasn't that bad. It was a good <laughs> shot. What are you talking about? I mean, I, it was a laser. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, maybe they meant just because it was the one that eliminated them from the playoffs. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there, Nate. They're not giving you the respect you deserve at all. They, they got to give you credit for that. Yeah, I know. Eh? Yeah, I was, I was laughing. That was pretty funny. But yeah, I, I scored. I what I got four goals in the NHL and two were game winners. So it's it's pretty good. Anyway, oh, Mr. GWG. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was so I was in the office with uh, uh, John Ferguson Jr. Oh, Leaf Legend, Leaf Legend, yeah. John Ferguson Jr. <laughs> yeah, so his, his son was the GM when I played there, and he's like, he's, we were. I can't remember. It was the summertime, right? I don't know what we were meeting about, but he's like, we were talking. He's like. Nathan, you got a really good shot. Why, why don't you shoot more? And I'm like, I go, John, it's tough to shoot from the stands. Like, I, I don't know, but when I'm sitting in the weight room working out, I, I can't shoot. And he's looking at me. He goes, fair enough. <laughs> you know, <I> totally, <laughs> he was very kind of laughing. But yeah. See, then playing in Nashville, I'm going to let Brooksy bring up the next team he played for because, you know, it makes me excited when, uh, you know, you you play for your favorite team and talking to players that played for a team uh, in Toronto, if you will. I think people have heard of that team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Brooksy, going to you. (laughs) Yeah, no, I just, you know, moving over to Toronto, like you said, you talked about it a little bit already about, uh, you know, the pressure of the media and all that stuff. And, you know, going from Nashville where it's all new and it's nothing but excitement uh, for them because they really don't know the game and uh, for fans. But going to Toronto, I want to I'm curious about that difference of the feel when you're playing in Toronto, because I have a lot of buddies that played for them over the years. And and they have said the pressure in Toronto is tough to play. And I'm just curious, when you went there, did you feel that different? Uh 
I'm going to say I was probably the only guy that didn't really have any pressure uh, from the media when I played there. Cause I was, I remember when I went to camp, they had a split camp. They sent half the guys to Sweden and half the guys to Kitchener. And I was, oh. one of the, I went to Kitchener, right? So I went there and I remember Doug Shedden and I love Doug Shedden. He's awesome, man. He, oh, yeah. he, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have made the Leafs that year. So, and had a really good camp in Kitchener and, and get, uh, I play an exhibition game and, you know, I mean, I fought, I think I had eight fights and eight games. I think I played eight games. I think I had eight or nine fights, something like that. I had a lot of fights. Right. And I fought like, uh, Jeff Peters, no, not Jeff, Andrew Peters. Sorry. Jeff's his brother. I fought Andrew Peters a couple times. I fought, Brashear, uh, I think too. Was it Brashear that year? uh, I did fight Brashear that year, but that was in regular season. But yeah, yeah I yeah. fought, I fought everyone training camp. You know what I mean? I remember some guy in Ottawa, we were playing in the rock and, and some guy in Ottawa ran, Sundin and I just grabbed the guy and dummied him. It was awesome anyway. But so <laughs> and I end up making I was the only guy from Kitchener that went in that split camp that went to Kitchener that made the Leafs out of training camp. The only one, right? I remember they ended up they ended up waving Travis Green at that time because they to make room for me. So because they didn't have enough uh, contracts to, you know, so they had to get rid of someone and it was ended up being Travis. I remember he got picked up by uh, Boston on waivers, but yeah, it did well that year, but obviously doing well now. But yeah, so it was the the media. I remember, and you know, and, and Nick, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of throw Nick Kiprios under the bus here, and I like Nick. I know him well. He's a really good guy and stuff. But I remember him in the media saying, "What are they doing putting this, you know." Mm-hmm guy on the team he's you know this and that and kind of thing kind of like making fun of me because you know there was no reason for him to put me on the team other than other than my performance in training camp right so that's you know maybe there's you know maybe one spot if if one spot on the team that you can win out in a training camp right and you really have to do something spectacular and I always say I worked out really hard in the summers and uh Matt Nickel that year um I, I was training with Matt because I, uh, I don't know if you guys know, he used to be the strength coach with the, the Leafs back then, but he was awesome, man. He had me so strong. I was I was front squatting 500 pounds and, and back squatting way over that. And, you know, I mean, I was just fast and strong. And, and I went into camp and I was just, you know, just laser focused. And it, it, his training really helped me with that. And, and so I was able to not, not – uh, there wasn't a spot available, but I made one available. So I, that's what I always tell my kids when you're playing, like, you know, don't do, you make room for yourself. Don't, don't make them have to make that tough decision. And you say that to any, any kid, you know, when you're going out there, you know, make it so it's hard for them to not keep you, you know, but yeah, so I was. Give them a reason to keep you. And Matt Nichols, a good name to actually bring up. I think he's actually a part of Bile Steel now, if I know correctly, or maybe he was. But there, there's a guy who actually has made a pretty big mark in athletic training, right? And you got to like Toronto has the money. Let's get real, the money to bring in the best at all times, okay? And in Toronto, in that locker room, you know, there, there's a. I miss this team. Sundin, Joe Newendike, Gary Roberts, my favorite Leaf of all time. That's no offense to you, Nate. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alex, Alex just naming Hall of Famers. That's all. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. 
Eddie Belfort, Ty Domi, there's another legend, Nick Andropov, Tomas Caberlet, the list goes on. Then, of course, coached by a legend, okay, and Pat Quinn. So I, I imagine you have a couple tales about Pat Quinn before we jump to Dallas stories before, you know, uh, with completing Toronto here. But, you know, just that locker room, the expectations, because that year that you were there, you, you the Leafs for Ron Francis and Brian Leach at the deadline, from what I recall, if I remember that correctly. And Ron Francis, there there's a guy that, you know, obviously in the Sioux, probably I would say the best player to come out of Sioux St. Marie. Uh, Brooks, I know you're not from the Sioux, but knowing the Sioux well, I think you'd have to agree that might be why. I know people say Wayne Gretzky is not from the Sioux. He played for the Hounds, so yes. Same with Joel Thornton, but someone who's physically from Sioux St. Marie. Comparison to Ron Francis, Marty Turco, like there's some big names. But Ron, it's probably the guy because of who he was as a playmaker and on the all-time point list. The expectations that year were pretty high for Toronto, as they always are. And we touched base on that. And that locker room was just flooded. So it must have been awesome to be in that locker room and just have Pat Quinn be in there. And have you, you had Barry Trotz and you had Pat Quinn. Uh, and even when you uh, go over to Dallas, uh, I believe it was coached by Dave Tippett, right? So, like... Before we even get into that, just atmosphere in that room itself, there's a lot of legends in there, and you must have some tales about Pat Quinn being a coach. Oh yeah, you know, like that year in Toronto, I didn't, you know, I, mean, I felt like I should be bringing my autograph book in every every night getting autographs because it was <laughs> there was so many Hall of Famers there, it was unbelievable. But yeah, so so yeah, Pat, awesome, awesome guy. And what you know, the best thing about Pat, and this is a, a friend of mine used to do my the skills development stuff like Dan Cameron used to say, you know, who your favorite coaches. I'm like, who the one that plays yet. Right. So like when Pat would have you in the lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So when Pat would have you in the lineup, he would play. Like I would play at least seven minutes and seven minutes doesn't seem like long, but when you're trying to go around and, and like, you know, like not literally, but like figuratively kill people, you know, uh, you know, every second you're on the ice, you know, you're trying to think of when to fight and all that. Like seven minutes is a long time, but you know, he actually, he actually started me on the first line with Matt Sundin and Alex McGillney one game. And that was oh, like the, oh, the, the highlight of my whole NHL career was being able to start. I was like, Ed Balfour was in net, uh, McCabe and, and Caberlet on defense and me and, uh, McGillney and, and Sundin and McGillney comes up to me before the game. He goes, Hey Nathan, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to play my offside. Do you mind playing left wing tonight? I'm like, I'm like, you could do whatever you need to. Buddy. I go, <laughs> yeah. I go, I go, I don't, yeah, whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll go to the left side. Anyway. So, so Pat, Pat goes to me the one game. He's like, ah, you're not going tonight. I'm going with the skill. And I'm like, I'm like, I'll go Pat. I go, Pat, hard work's a skill. And he looks at me, he's like, he kind of chuckles, and he's like, well, not tonight. <laughs> walks away. <laughs> it's just funny. I was laughing. He was laughing as he walks away. I was like, oh, geez. Yeah, I get it. All right. <laughs> but, God bless the guy, too. Probably the best coach in Toronto history, not even kidding. Like, he, he, he might honestly be. I know there's been some legends to go into Toronto. Uh, and there was one supposed to be legend that didn't last as long as everyone thought this past year. But we won't jump into that. That's just a whole nother ball game, another story. But Pat Quinn, like, there's a guy that I remember – Thomas Caberlet to Brian McCabe, that was a signature on the power play. When I was younger, wearing my uh, old school, and to be honest, Sundin captain jersey, because I thought it was cool to always have a C on your jersey as a kid. 
that's the ego kicking in when I was younger. Uh, but with Sunday, number 13, one of my favorite number to use in hockey, that, that, that team, it was always Sundin or Gilney up to Cabrillet, who slid it over to McCabe. And that one-time clap bomb on the power play, he scored a lot of goals doing that. Okay, and obviously you'd know. Yeah, 24 that year. Uh, he had like 24 goals that year. And, like, <laughs> and Ryan had a great shot. Don't get me wrong, but I I think Cabrillet's feed because his, his Cabrillet's skill was unbelievable. It was like he just put it right in the absolute right. They had this magic connection, right? So he put it right in the right spot. I don't think anyone but Cabrillet could have fed him the puck any better to to for him to shoot it and score as many goals as he did. So the two of them, excuse me, the two of them together were absolute magic. It was awesome to watch, you know and yeah, they both both really excellent players and yeah. See, and I and I remember when Brian McCabe and Pat Quinn's last game, the coach release was trying to get an empty net in the last game of the season. <laughs> and I remember Pat Quinn chewing his gum and shaking his head. <laughs> you know, like like I remember I just remember that vividly because it was the last game that he coached in Toronto before he was relieved of his duties now everyone knows the story of toronto uh, after pat quinn left there in toronto because he was obviously a big part of the success that they had and just being in that room and being around those guys you know and you had a former you know hound or like a, like richard jackman you brought up uh, a part of that team just scotia or now scotia bank arena was the arcana center and i missed calling it the acc to be honest i think a lot of media people do uh, it was just electrifying there all the time the old school goal horn i remember everything was just it seems like those were the glory days and we hope that if uh, if you're a toronto fan that those days can be brought back up because that is the most exciting team that you were a part of. And I'm not just saying that to blow smoke up your ass or anything like that. I'm flat out just saying that that was an exciting team to get part of. And the success story of Eddie Balfour after getting out of Dallas, you know, you, he, he wins a cup there and he obviously has some personal things happen to him and uh, in life outside of the game. And he goes to Toronto and just changes his career. Right. And he has some pretty strong seasons there. That team is a team that's probably the most favorite team by all Leaf fans, and just being in that room must have been just an overall treat. But Brooksy, uh, I know we um, we're going we're going to go a little bit over time with this because we still got a couple topics to get into. So to keep things rolling, uh, Brooksy, uh, go to you yeah. for the next yeah, team. So, next- yeah, so I just want to say you get traded to Dallas 2005-6 season to a team with some big names again like Mike Medano, Bill Guerin, Jason Arnett, Brendan Morrow. You know, coached by Tibbetts, who we brought up earlier, and some Sioux ties with Turco and Trevor Daly. You know, I, uh, you know, what was it like there? You know, you're going from Toronto, cold winters, to going to practice probably in flip flops in Dallas. <laughs> oh man, the first the first weekend I was there, there was a snowstorm. It was crazy, shut down the whole city. I'm glad I had my truck. I had a Jeep Cherokee at the time with, you know, all wheel, four wheel drive. And it was, I'm so happy I had it because it was like, no one could get it. You see so many accidents. I'm like, what is going on? I thought this place was supposed to be warm, but it was just some fluke storm. But yeah, it was honestly, Dallas was awesome. I like, it was a great place to play hockey. And you know what? With no state income tax there, I got a big raise. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> My paychecks were way bigger. <laughs> no income tax, but no, I was no, but yeah, no. I was honestly that was that team was awesome. They like I playoffs we should have did better because we I I can't remember how many points we had, but I remember every ten game segment we had like we'd either win eight or nine games. 
And maybe that was the reason we didn't have playoff success because we didn't have that uh, to overcome that adversity along the way during the regular season. But man, there were there was some really really great talent on that team and great guys and it was like I loved being there. It was I wish I would have contributed a little bit more and got another year there because it was it was an unbelievable place to play hockey and you know like it's like Dallas is like the same size as Toronto. Right. So it's but but you don't have that pressure there like you do in Toronto because I mean I'd come home, we'd play we'd play home games on Friday nights and uh the Mavericks would play their game home games on Saturday, right? So I'd get home after the game on, on Friday and I'd be like, I just got in a fight. I mean, I wanna go watch it on on TV, you know, if you're in Toronto, you you get to watch it, but I'd have to watch twenty five minutes of, of high school football highlights. On the front, <laughs> that's what the the local media was showing. They were showing all the high school football scores and all the highlights from high school or football. Or the NHL teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And then they would nope. show the highlights from the Mavericks because they would be on the road somewhere because they'd play Friday on the road and Saturday at home. And then and then they'd show our score, maybe maybe a nice highlight of Medano scoring a sweet goal or something. You know what I mean? But it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It was like. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was pretty cool. I actually, uh, Dirk Nowinski, I got to play basketball with him there one game because I was sitting out and they're, they're, they had a little practice, uh, basketball rink in the, in the stadium, right? So I was sitting out, I worked out and then I, you know, I went to the media or the, the wives room or whatever it's called, you know, the family room and they had food there anyway. So, but before I did that, I went down to this basketball court and I saw Dirk Nowinski shooting hoops so he was like oh he's like yeah go on in shoot some hoops <laughs> and so i was like this was awesome i was like it was so awesome you know get to play basketball with a hall of famer like that it was pretty cool but yeah. anyway <laughs> and you being in dallas there's two points i want to bring up one i'm going to save the medano question you can tell me that you don't want to answer it after i get to because i think a lot of people asking it's mike commodore but we won't get into that yet you got traded to dallas when you did that was for a sixth round pick okay and that and that's Good value, like you know what, L- like picks, it, like a lot of players that are picked late rounds, and those are high value picks. Doesn't matter if you're first to a seventh rounder, doesn't matter. There's a lot of prospects to choose from. Uh, and uh, do you remember the 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 pick that Toronto used uh, that they acquired from Dallas for you? That's a little little trivia for yourself. Oh, I I don't know. If you do, tell me because I would like to know that. <laughs> I wish I'd tell that actually. I hope he I hope he did really well. <laughs> the fun fact, when you were traded to Dallas, like I said, it was a sixth, a sixth round pick. The Leafs used that sixth round pick to draft Leo Komarov. Fun fact. Uncle Leo in Toronto obviously did had his time in Toronto, who's now known with the New York Islanders under the vision of your former coach, Barry Trotz. So it's almost like a full turn, which is kind of creepy if you think about it. But that's who the Leafs used to pick in the sixth round and arguably a fan favorite in Toronto before he left. So I just, you know, that's one big thing for you there. You know, that you got some, Leafs got some, I would say fair value back because 
you know, <laughs> for them to draft Leo, you know, that's Dallas. We have a pretty good pick. And you were a part of a 50 win team there in Dallas. And as Brooksy mentioned with Turco and Daly, there are a lot of ties to Sue transitioning quick. I know uh, two, I'll bring up a two part question before we get to our conclusion. And it's kind of two different topics. OK, and I think, Brooksy, you can chime in on this first question. And then, uh, Nate, you can just uh, discuss your last uh, the last topic here. Uh, you played overseas after playing in the uh, National Hockey League. You played over in Russia and we've heard various kind of tales about the times in Russia. So I'd like you to kind of get into a little bit about Russia uh, and then to top everything off uh, to conclude talking about your boxing career quickly about how you were, you became a boxer. You won your first fight as a TKO. Uh, I know you've had some fights after that, Uh, you know, talk about the differences in hockey fights and boxing fights, stuff like that uh, before we wrap up our show. All right. Oh, what was the, what was the first part? <laughs> no, no. You're it good. Uh, it cut, no, it's all it's all good. Uh, the first one was the experiences in Russia uh, before yeah, you jumped. I just in. joked uh, because of the boxing. Oh. I was a joke. Anyway, <laughs> <I'm> sorry. Oh. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. The, the last three fights didn't go as well, obviously. But uh, yeah, Russia was awesome. You just don't honestly. remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. No, there was like, uh, it's it's hard to, it's funny because I don't even know what I should say because I was in that team checkoff that had all the fighters and stuff. But I was, so Reed Simpson was playing there the year before, then he retired and, and me and Reed have been good friends since I was 18 and we were in New Jersey together and I played with him in like Nashville and Milwaukee and Cleveland. And I was in Chicago system with him. And like, I just, just seemed like everywhere we went, we went there like together at some point. Right. Like, so he calls me up. He's like, do you want to come over to Russia and play anyway? So I come over and play and yeah, it's, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't even know if I should tell this story. This one's crazy, but so the first, the the first week I'm at training camp there, because they had the, it wasn't training camp, what was it? Anyway, so we were doing off fight. I think they had some break anyway. So the team skating for a week, and anyway, so the the owner has a team dinner, and he we all go, and this guy comes in. He's in like this tracksuit, little small guy, and like I didn't even know he was the owner. Until someone told me afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, that's the owner. I should have maybe been a little bit like <laughs> kiss his butt a little bit more or something. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't even, I don't know, tracksuits. If someone has a tracksuit on in Russia, like, he's the man. Because like, if he's walking around in some, like, crazy tracksuit looking, like, funny, he's probably the guy that's the most important guy in the room. But anyway, so, so he's <laughs> like, here. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're at this fancy dinner and we have the team dinner and, and he's like, you're coming with me, the owner, right? And so me, Reed, and a couple of his henchmen, we, we jump in this um, uh, really nice truck. and uh, What is it? What are those trucks? Anyway, so we go we go to a bar. We start drinking again. And we go to another bar. We start drinking again. We go to this, anyway. Go to his village and, and it was like it seemed like it seemed like three days. It seemed like a non-stop drinking fest for three days, and I was dying. I was like, I'm like, what is what? I'm like, I go to him. I gotta go to practice, and he's like, I own the team. No, you don't. And he's speaking his Russian, right? He's like, and there's a translator there, and he's like, no, I own the team. No, you you drink, and he hands me another vodka, right? 
I'm like, oh my, I'm like, I'm, I thought I was going to die, right? <laughs> it was, it was, I remember I got a bad flu after that. I got the Russian flu after it. <laughs> so anyway, I'm in my hotel room having this flu, and they, they, they bring me this like concoction of, of and they, they say it's like, uh, and they say it's tiger jizz, and they're like, get me to drink this thing. tiger, tiger spur. And like it said, it'll cure your cure ears. And I'm like, what? I'm not drinking that. They're like, yeah, you gotta drink it. I'm like, I don't know if I can drink it. What? I'm like, this is weird, man. I'm, what am, where am I here? This is, is this Russia? Like this guy, this is like they're just joking. It's not tiger juice, but it's, it's like tiger something. I'm like, just drink it. It'll make you feel better. And it didn't make me feel better. It made me feel weird and stuff. Anyway, eventually the doctor came and gave me some antibiotics, and I, I got better. But <laughs> it was pretty funny. I was like, what is going on? Here? I was like, am I ready to go home or what? But yeah, oh, Russia. You tell the guys and they're like, it's it's Russia, but I think I still hold the record for most penalty minutes in a game. I'm not sure if I still do, but so we were playing uh Moscow Dynamo, which is the Dynamo, Moscow Dynamo, like that's I think that's where uh uh Ovechkin played. I think he's from Dynamo or whatever they call it. Yeah. Anyway, so we're playing them in Chekhov and we're losing bad. And the owner comes into the room and, and Nick uh, Alexander Poivakin, who was a boxer, he, he won the gold medal in 04. He, he fought Klitschko for the title, but lost. He was like an unbelievable boxer, right? Great guy too. Great man. So he brings him in and one of his sparring partners, it was uh, Jamal McLean, who was, you know, top 10 in the heavyweight back then. And he was a sparring partner, getting him ready for his next fight. He comes in, he's yelling at everybody, and, and he points at me, and he tells me to go beat up. And I can't – I wish I could remember the guy's name, but he played for the Leafs. He was a defenseman for the Leafs, but he was playing in Russia now. And he says, you got to go beat him up, right? And someone translates it for me. And I'm like, what did – one of the Russian players, I'm like, what did he say? He said, oh, he's going to kill all of us with his AK-47, and he wants you to beat up number three. I'm like, oh, okay, and they're all kind of laughing, right? <laughs> so like, this is the second intermission, right? I'm like, and I already got two minutes. I think I got a hooking call or something for, for whatever. Anyway, so I go out there and, and my first shift, I grab this guy and I told him before. I said, listen, I gotta, I gotta fight you. I'm gonna jump you. If you want to fight, go ahead. If, if, if you don't, just you know, I'll make it look good and, and just take a dive. But you know. He's, he actually fought me, and, you know, he, he didn't do as well as he probably thought he was going to. But anyway, so I get my, you know, my five minutes, and they go to take me off the ice because you get kicked out of the game after your first uh, fight. And, and their boss is standing, the owner of the team standing at the gateway, and he's like, go. And I'm like, all right. And I probably – so I turn around – and I go and I grab another guy and beat up another guy, right? And I don't even know who it was, but I, I beat up another guy. And then they grab the linesman, grab me and take me to the penalty box. And then they, they're like, they take everyone off the ice and put them on the bench, including the goalie. And then they escort me off the ice, and he's still standing at the gate. And he's like, go. So I like I shake off the linesman and I start skating towards their bench. Right. And they kind of tackle me. But by the time they tackle me, I'm at my bench because my bench is closer to theirs. And they're like, they got me pinned against the bench and I'm pulling myself down the bench, trying to get to their bench. Right. And by this time I've already had two fights. 
I'm absolutely exhausted. I'm I'm more embarrassed. It was my most embarrassing moment in hockey in my life, right? So I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm looking at the guys. What am I doing? And I'm I'm pulling these two linesmen down the bench, and I'm just like, I'm lactic acid's kicking in, and I'm dying, right? And I'm like, oh my god. And anyway, I just give up. I'm like, I can't get to their bench. They've got me, right? So he takes me off, and the owner stand there, and he's kind of like. Give me like, why did you quit? Like I'm like, oh my God, I, quit. <laughs> why did you quit? I got nothing left. I go, I just beat up two guys, and I, I, I almost like, I, I like, what do we want me to punch out the lines of it now? Anyway, so <laughs> I go off the ice, and I get, I end up, I had 51 penalty minutes in the game, right? I only played like 13 games that year. 51 penalty minutes is is most guys' seasons in the NHL, right? It's a lot of penalty minutes in one game, uh, so. After the season ends, he's like, I want you to come back next year and play one game, and I want you to knock out the ref. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, just just come out. I just like, you can't just beat him up. You got to knock him out cold. Like, just, just, just <laughs> knock him I was like, so I'm like, I'm like talking to my agent. I'm like, well, one, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go to jail if I do that. So if if he can guarantee I can get out of the country immediately after I knock him out. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll yeah, do it. Yeah. I'll consider million. this. <laughs> like I'm shaking my head. There's no way I'm doing this. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, just like it was so crazy there. Like some of the stuff like that. Ugh. Oh well. Uh, yeah, it's the Russia. Russia. The, the stories wow. we've heard that is it's by never far the it. best stories about Russia. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go out, go knock out the lines, man. You know what? Oh, God. Sometimes the refs, you know, if they get a couple punches in the face, they feel like it's warranted. Nah, it's it's probably really not. It's probably, it's probably because the ref, the owner, if they probably either Russian or told them to knock them out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's Russia. Yeah, it's Russia. That's what they always say. Like the Russian guy is like, they'd be like, it's Russia. What do you expect? <laughs> what do you like, well, geez. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Not that. I love that. <laughs> that, that. That's amazing. That that's probably the best Russia stories that we have been told on the show by far, and we've heard a couple be- beauty ones, and that's by far the best one. But now I you definitely. That, I don't think I can tell the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll have you, you thought... again an exclusive Russian show, and you can tell us all. <laughs> yeah. Just Full need, live I don't in because I'm scared. Like I don't want to mess. Like, these Russian guys are for real, right? You don't want to mess with oh, yeah. them. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Safety. See? We gotta think about your safety. We gotta think about yeah. your safety. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was awesome. The guys, they were awesome. The players, unbelievable, right? It was just. Yeah, the hockey's unbelievable, actually. Hockey's great. It is. It's it's fast as hell. But you still took fighting and uh, get into kind of our last topic before we wrap up everything. Boxing. You know, like I, how much uh, like in terms of boxing, uh, did the fighting relate to hockey or did it at all? Because you have skates compared to feet and technique. It's really kind of different, but maybe similar in sort of ways. Uh, But you took the after retiring from the game, you went to boxing uh, where you've had some professional fights. You know, you had a TKO in your first fight. Not a big deal. And yeah, I'm taking Biz Nasty's quote from that. I'm waiting for Biz Brooksy to come kick down my door and say, stop saying that. Uh, But besides that, (laughs) besides that, you know, you get into boxing and, you know, you do something outside of hockey. You must have been excited to do something, you know, after hockey to continue in the scrapping business. Well, yeah, well, I was, 
the reason the boxing happened was because, you know, you do training in the summer and one of the trainers I was working with, he just said, you should, you should fight boxing. You should, you'd be a great heavyweight. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And he goes, no, I'm serious. And anyway, he, I went to camp in New Jersey and he hooked me up with uh, Tommy Brooks. And so I started training with Tommy Brooks down there. And uh, a guy named Mark Puttenvik, who was, um, he was, excuse me, he was a strength coach with the New York Rangers for a little bit. And I started hanging out with this guy. And he was big, he still is big into boxing and, and uh, he'd take me around and we'd work on boxing stuff, right? And so I became good friends with Mark and then uh, he brought me to a trainer named uh, uh, Joe Greer who who uh, he's I think he's had seventeen maybe is it seventeen uh, champion world champions over his uh, uh, coaching career or training career. And so I was training with him for a while down in New Jersey. And, you know, I mean, when it first happened, it was more like just to keep in shape when I was waiting for a contract and I started fighting amateurly and I really liked it. Right. Like I did some boxing when I was a teenager and it just, you know, it's, it's a great sport. It really is, you know, but one of the big differences between boxing and hockey, when you you come to the hockey rink, you know, if you don't feel like fighting that night, you you can keep your gloves on. Right. You don't have to, you know, you you know, or if you get into trouble, you can slip on the banana peel or, or whatever, right? Like, there's different <laughs> ways to get right? You know, you know, don't tell me if you fight enough times, you've slipped on the banana peel. I'm telling you, it may look like you got knocked out, but no, I maybe you just, you know, the banana peel got you, right? But it happens <laughs> anyway. So, love that reference. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, with the boxing, though, you come there, you, you know, you're there for one reason, you're not there to, win a hockey game you're there to fight right so it's the intensity is a lot different right and you know i mean a, a four-round boxing match with 12 minutes right like my first fight i won the guy and i knocked him down right and he, it was tko the guy threw the towel in right and i knocked him out there was like eight seconds left in the round right of the fourth round and he uh it was like 12 minutes, well, 11 minutes and 52 seconds. I was done. Like, it was so hard that way. But I wasn't supposed to win that fight. I was talking to the, one of the promoters there later on, and he was like, yeah, you were supposed to lose that fight. That guy was a prospect. We were had high hopes for him. I was like, oh, really? Sorry to disappoint you. But yeah, but, yeah, but my next fight, I, I fought a guy. This was back in Philly at the Blue Horizon. And I don't – I think it's been condemned since – then but man it was a they they shot uh some of the videos from rocky in this uh old boxing facility it was crazy in there and i remember my first fight though uh ray emery came um there was a bunch of mark bell was there uh who else uh what was the guy uh richardson mike richardson and uh the guy he got oh what's his name he got traded to la uh why can't i remember his name right now oh he's carter yeah Jeff, Jeff Carter. Carter. Yeah. 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 Jeff Carter. He was there. And I think there was a couple of guys from the flyers that came and watched. Right. So I'm glad I won that one anyways. I'm glad they didn't come to the next one. Cause this guy, he's like six foot seven. And I had him in the corner and I was like, you know, I was beaten. I heard him. I know I heard, I had him hurt. And this guy, he just came down from nowhere and threw an overhand, right. It hit me right on the temple. And I had him in the corner and I fell when I went down, I was in the other the opposite corner, right? Like not straight across, but like kitty corner. Like I kind of stumbled all the way across and fell down and I got up, but I was like, I wasn't right. And he knocked me down a couple more times before they stopped the fight. I was still getting up, mind you, but 
Oh, yeah, tough just, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's a different sport. That was a hard like, – I got hit hard in hockey fights, but nothing like this, you know. But anyway, so, it, yeah, I love the sport. I, you know, I was, I was good at it, but a lot of lessons you have to learn at a young age I didn't learn because I was obviously playing hockey and maybe I wasn't quite tough enough or quite skilled enough. But whatever, I love the sport, and it's, it's a great sport. And, you know, it's obviously the most dangerous sport, like, I think more deaths have happened in a boxing ring than any other sport in the world. But, you know, it's maybe like the, like the danger, I guess. I don't know, but I'm too old now. Actually, I, I purposely had a surgery on my nose. to, So I had a deviated septum. So I had it fixed. So I won't box anymore. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like, I don't want my nose to get broken again. So I, I don't, I try not to do it anymore, but I do love it. But. Anyway, I can't skate anymore. I blew up my knee, so I can't. I, uh, I need a knee replacement, so I, I can still run and stuff, but I can't. I can't skate. It puts pressure on my where where the cartilage is missing in my knee. But anyway, there you go. That's a sad story, but oh well, it's not too bad. <laughs> you still did something after hockey, and you did. You know, you had the time in there. Now you're giving back, which is you know absolutely amazing as a as a firefighter. You know, and. Uh, you know, being part of a big organization and all still working on, you're still going, you know, you've had a great storied life with all the hockey and now with the boxing and now even after hockey. So it's, uh, you know, I don't like to blow too much smoke off guests' asses, but you know, you've done very, uh, very good for yourself. And I remember your days in Toronto and you were certainly a great player to watch and people remember you here in Sault Ste. Marie. Let me tell you, I know you, uh, on that team that the Hounds had a very, a very good team. So it's, uh, certainly a bit, a treat that you are able to come on and, we do this every show, Nathan. So it's simple, a simple one answer per person. Brooks and I are going to ask you a question and you can either answer yes or no, or you can just name the players and that's it. Uh, very simple. Uh, there's questions that you, they're going to feel kind of out of the blue. So with that, I'm going to go first. Okay. If, and my question to you is if you had to fight one more guy again, that you have fought in the National Hockey League, and I'm saying strictly the National Hockey League, never mind Russia, because <laughs> it seems like that was a good time with fighting. Um, who is your favorite uh, person to fight, or who would you fight again if you had to play one more game in the National Hockey League and it was to fight? Oh, <laughs> we, we get a lot of pauses with these questions. We like to throw some curveballs in our interviews. <laughs> Well, that is that is a tough one. Yeah, I'd like to try them all again, but yeah, uh, honestly, Scott Thornton, I'd like to fight him again. There you go. Okay, awesome. Okay, that that's that's that guy was a why spark Scott, Why Scott Thornton though? Why is it? Did you fight him before or? Uh, no, I I no no I just I just thought I could have did it a little be a, bit better. Be Maybe Jamie Allison. For sure. Like tie with Jamie Allison. Jamie broke my face, but yeah. Yeah, Scott, yeah, they're both really tough guys. I don't know. Maybe I'd regret fighting them. I don't know. Yeah, my question is, you know, in your career, has there been a coach or a player who has had a huge impact on your career? That kind of just, you know, a guy that you, you want to give, you know, some kudos to uh, of, of what he's done to kind of, it molds you into, you know, continuing on and, uh, you know, how you became the type of hockey player you were. Oh, Stan Butler. I got to give Stan Butler kudos. He was always great to me. You know, I 
honestly, when I got to Oshawa, he was the coach there, and I don't know how much they were expecting me. I know they drafted me in the second round, but I was coming in as a tough guy, and you know, he put me on a line with Mark Savard, and you know, he was he was honestly really hard on me, but it was a lot of lessons I needed to learn in life and stuff I still lean on today. So yeah. Nice. See, thank you. For good that. answer. No, see, that's good. We like knowing that kind of side of things. Uh, but the Scott Thornton one, I wasn't expecting that. So I like that, uh, that answer with Scott, but overall, Nate, I want to say, uh, thank you very much for coming on our show, the game sports show. Uh, it took me sliding into your DMS and, uh, us right. going back cable guy, a couple, cable guy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and a couple, couple DMS and we went <laughs> I know we went a little extra time than we anticipated, but it was all good because all the great stuff that and stories that we got into. I hope all the listeners enjoyed it. But uh, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show, Nate. It's uh, been a treat, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. Brooksy, over to you. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Appreciate you coming on and sharing some hilarious stories and some uh, great, great things in your career. And uh, we really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. Yeah, sorry I talked too long. <laughs> no, no, never. No, that's, there's nothing, 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 never anything wrong with talking. It's entertaining stuff for sure. Now, Brooksy, you know what? Thank you for your time too, man. I appreciate it. No problem, buddy. <laughs> you know, and again, I want to thank you, all the listeners, again, to Nathan Parrott and to um, everyone who's a part of the Game Sports Show and our family. That goes from our staff to our uh, listeners, our faithful listeners. Make sure you hit like, uh, follow, and subscribe on all of our platforms, that include Spotify, Apple, Podbean, Podtail, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, our website, thegamesportshow.com. Now, getting to this conclusion, this will be the first time that Nate hears this. I'd like to remind listeners that this will be the first time guests will hear this. Uh, getting to the conclusion, I would like to remind you to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Zachary Kelly. I'm a professional goaltender in the Washington Capitals organization. If you're a sports person, well, you need to download my new app. It's called Living Sisu, S-I-S-U. Everything about sports, from discounts to events to just learning new tips and tricks about sports. Download the app. Follow us on Instagram. We have the app just came out there on iOS and Android. Just want to say a big shout out to the guys at the Game Sports Show. Thanks a lot. And I really appreciate you guys. And we'll talk real soon.